It's time for this week's Serve Pro of Champaign and Vermilion County High School Prep Football Confidential here on News Talk 1400 and Light Rock 97.5. Tonight's in-depth look at area high school football is powered by Serve Pro for fire and water cleanup and restoration. Serve Pro like it never even happened. Now, here are your hosts, Colin Likas and Jim Rosso. Oh, it's football weather, finally. Crisp, cold, muddy, maybe. Definitely muddy. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to what is this week? Pre week five. Five of the high school football season. I'm Jim Rosso, vice president of news at the News Gazette, Clayton High School grad, Missouri. <laughs> Colin Likas, Crown Point, Indiana. There you go. Dave Leak. He's got a he's a Decatur guy, but he's wearing a Centennial Chargers outfit tonight. He, he's got he was threatened, I think. <laughs> That'll make some Said of our no, listeners happy. No Not more, that he was threatened, but no more Decatur business. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, our former producer Evan Kahn was a Clinton like guy, Clinton. and that's near Decatur, kind of. Clinton's in our area, though. Decatur, yeah. not so much. Not so much, but it's close. Hey, we got another hour of. Action. We've got hours of interviews. We've got coaches. We've got players. We've got predictions. We've got a top 10 from Colin Likas, which I think this week he, he might have got it right. <laughs> I'm trying to. We've, uh, we, we don't have a lot of undefeated teams left, so yeah. it makes it, uh, makes it difficult to just go out there and, and say, hey, I'm going to throw 10 undefeated teams in the top 10. There you go. We've got, uh, I believe, five undefeated teams to throw in well, the top 10. Well, we've got fewer teams to pick from. The news uh, today of Watsika the latest of our area teams to call off the season. They citing low numbers, uh, said it was a difficult decision, but uh, no more games for the Warriors. Yeah, no more varsity games. They will play uh, four JV games the rest of the way. Fulfilling those obligations, I'm, I'm sure there's some varsity kids who will end up playing uh, in those JV games as well. But, yeah, third local program that is canceled midseason, Urbana let it off, and then Sullivan the week after that. We didn't have any for the last two weeks, but now Watsika, as Jim said, this morning, making that decision, um, I just got done saying this a little bit ago on Sports Talk, um, which go listen to that after you listen to this, if you're listening back uh, in the future. <laughs> but uh, the difference, I think, between Watsika doing this and Urbana and Sullivan doing this, uh, Urbana and Sullivan uh, have struggled to win football games for the last several years running. Uh, they've struggled with, with numbers at times for the last several years running. Uh, Watsika has almost 30 wins and has made the playoffs four times yeah. in the last five years. So this is obviously something that can happen to any program uh, if injuries become too much. Uh, Watsika, in their case, they had consecutive really strong senior classes that graduated. They only have four seniors on this year's roster. That means you got a lot of underclassmen, maybe some who aren't ready for varsity football, having to go out there. And once older kids get injured, then those younger kids have to take on an even bigger role and um, – being in the Vermilion Valley Conference, that's really tough to send out a bunch of young kids to play against a bunch of potential bruisers, uh, seniors and juniors who are big, big kids, hard hitting in the Vermilion Valley. So you understand what Zika's decision, and hopefully they can come back next fall and play a, a regular season. All right, there'll be plenty more in the News Gazette tomorrow, your print edition. I hope you pick it up. I hope you read it. Uh, Colin does more high school coverage than anybody in the state guaranteed. Find me a newspaper that does more. <laughs> 
and I'll buy you a hot dog. How about that? <laughs> Where are you going to get the hot dog from? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> maybe the next game I attend. No, pork uh, chop sandwich then. Hey, shout out. Uh, I get around to a lot of schools mm-hmm. uh, while chasing kids uh, and watching Attending sports. volleyball shout matches. Shout out to normal community and normal West. Okay. For every time I go there for an athletic event, they're well-organized, uh, spirited. The sound systems work. The national anthem is done right. Okay. Uh, every time, and this is about six years running, so, hey, something to look up to. I know a lot of our area teams do it right, too. That's awesome, yeah. Um, I, I can't – well, you know, I'm trying to think back if I've ever been out to either of those schools. I know I've been out to some of the Decatur schools for, like, regional and sectional basketball, but I'm not sure if I've uh, mm-hmm. if I've been to any of the normal schools. Normal West last night had three different student sections. Three? <laughs> I think they divvied them up by class. That's a lot they of had kids. so many kids <laughs> cheering on the uh, wow. volleyball team. But anyway – uh, we started a little early tonight. Uh, here's the deal. We're on HMS FM only as mm-hmm. the Illinois volleyball team is on WDWSAM. Good luck to them at yep. Iowa tonight. But uh, we'll return to our two-station format uh, next week. As always, listen to the podcast afterward and anytime. Yeah, you can always come back, listen to old episodes, see what, what I said one week and yeah. how I contradict myself the next week or things like that. But uh yeah, just to kind of recap, you know, last week, a uh, pretty busy week having uh, two football games to go cover. First, I was over at Monticello. Uh, Bloomington Central Catholic paid a trip over there, and that was a really great game. Uh, 32-27 final score. Monticello ended up winning with a touchdown in the final four minutes on a very controversial play uh, in which Joey Sprinkle threw the ball to Tristan Foran in the end zone, and Tristan Foran in one of the BCC uh, defensive backs came down with dual possession. The refs, after a while, said dual possession, tie goes to the offense. And Monticello got the touchdown, and Monticello got the win. Uh, so huge win for Monticello because they're 4-0, and and they only have to win one more game in order to make the playoffs now. Congratulations to those two. They were our guests yesterday or last week. That's right. And that just shows you the karma of <laughs> appearing on this show, what good things can happen. That's right. And we're going to be joined a little later on by two other kids hoping to replicate that, St. Thomas More's Patrick Quarnstrom and Adonai Bumba. Uh, before we get to them, though, and the three coaches we're going to have on, and I'll mention them a little later, also – uh, last week, went over to Vermilion County, Catlin specifically, to watch Salt Fork host Iroquois West in a Vermilion Valley game, and it was another close one. Uh, Iroquois West led 14-7 at halftime. Both teams were undefeated going into the game. And then Salt Fork, over a period of about six minutes in the third quarter, scored 21 unanswered points, and that was that was all she wrote. Salt Fork won 28-14. Uh, good game. Salt Fork also won win away from postseason mm-hmm. qualification. Uh, can confirm, Illinois commit Clayton Leonard, big, really hard-to-stop kid, especially in Class 1A and 2A football, and his brother Cannon, uh, younger brother who's actually bigger, or at least taller, um, also very difficult to stop. He's going to be a D1 target as well. Those two kids are terrors to play against at the D- at the um, Class 1A and 2A level. I was watching them throw kids around pancake blocks as, as they're uh, recorded in the stat book. They were just throwing kids around, either creating openings for the running backs or shutting down the opposing running backs, just closing those lanes. It's really cool to see uh, a kid who you know is going to be going D1 mm-hmm. competing uh, on a football field at the high school level. Got our first text of the night from uh, somebody from Catlin wondering, <laughs> Colin, who did you pick to win that game Funny. last week? I picked Iroquois West. Oh. 
I did, and I still had the best pick'em record of anybody in the office last week. So, I uh, I went eight and two. I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with my I'm okay with my mark there. I'm trying to remember what the other game I picked wrong was. I honestly can't remember. Um, but I know I went eight and two, so that was better than everybody else. But all right, well the picks are in tomorrow's paper again. That's right. The staff pick, so you can put uh, Colin to the test. See where he messes up this week. Yeah. Um, I like my picks. All I right. think I think they're really good. Um, I know one of the games we picked is a game I'll be attending on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Going to go watch BCC again. They're not one of our teams, but just going to be happening to go watch watch uh, one of their games. They are hosting Unity. Unity, one win away from making the playoffs. Should be a really good game. BCC is a very good 3-1 and team, and Unity is 4-0. and Talked to Scott Hamilton um, yesterday. Going to have some words from him in the News Gazette on Thursday, so you should read all about that. He had a lot to say about his uh, offense, which has scored more than 40 points in three of the team's four games so far. So Unity, strong again, big surprise, going for their 26th playoff appearance in 28 years of Scott Hamilton. And one of those two misses was the pandemic year where there were no playoffs, so it's only one miss technically. Hey, the Rockets aren't just a football school. I noticed the Unity volleyball team rising to number one in your top ten yeah, in this you, week's paper. Yeah, explain yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, they beat St. Joseph Ogden last night in two sets. So that's pretty pretty good. That's a, obviously right. a high quality matchup there. Yeah, Unity Volleyball, one of the uh, one of the only undefeated teams left in our area. I'm really curious to see when they play St. Thomas More what that looks like. St. Thomas More, I think, is a team that uh, could return to that number one spot. So they're going to try and fight Unity off for it. But, uh, you know, your Champagne Central Maroons are close there. Muhammad Seymour is close there. St. Joe Ogden's close there. A lot of good volleyball in this area. Speaking of the Maroons, I understand, do they play a home game this week? Is that correct? Well, or let's, they, let's, they haven't let's been a, you roll know, up my schedule because they haven't had a home no, game the yet. The leads are falling, and there's yet yeah. to be a game at Tommy Stewart Field. In so they, the uh, they are at normal community this week, so uh, no, no. no home game. They were supposed to host uh, Urbana mm-hmm. last week, but that obviously didn't happen because Urbana uh, is, is done playing varsity football. First home game as of right now, October 1st, next week against Peoria Manual, right. which I think is a winnable matchup for the Maroons, who are looking for their first non-forfeit win still. They got the forfeit win over Urbana, technically. So looking for their first win. Maybe they'll get it against Normal Community this week, but they would like to have a home win at Tommy Stewart Field. And then uh, don't forget about Central Centennial in weeks, Week 9 as well. That'll be mm-hmm. a fun fun matchup as always. All right, we got an action pack serve pro prep football confidential. We got um, uh, Collins top 10, of course. Uh, we're going to have two St. Thomas More players. Oh yeah. Checking in. They still getting uh, votes in the uh, They are the number man. 3 team in the 8-man association okay. poll that came out uh, late last night. Uh, one of the teams ahead of them is Orangeville, which is the team that beat St. Thomas More a couple weeks okay. ago. So St. Thomas More is probably going to hope to play them in the playoffs and, and beat them up and try to get their win back. Little known fact, Nathan Watson, pretty good football coach, right? He might, I don't think that's a little known fact. <laughs> he, he, no, here's the little known part okay. of it. He might be the area's best driver's ed teacher. Okay. All right. I knew he was a driver's <laughs> ed teacher. I didn't know how he ranked them. Maybe we should do a top <laughs> well, 10 driver's ed teacher <laughs> moving forward. Part of a nationally ranked program at Urbana. Nationally ranked driver's ed yes, program? Uh, is that a thing? Yeah, that is okay. the thing, apparently. So they might, he must be doing something right. Wow. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Congratulations to Nathan Watson on that. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. All right. Like Colin said, we're getting closer to playoff uh, clinching situations already, which is 
hard to believe. Yep. This year's uh, finals not here in Champaign. No, that kind of bums me out. Yeah, you know, especially since last last season we were supposed to have the finals here, but uh, obviously COVID caused a lot of issues. We lost the basketball finals as well over here. Uh, but yeah, you, you can't break an agreement where you've got DeKalb and Champagne switching every other year. So you got got to be fair. Got to let DeKalb have the year they were supposed to have. Uh, Northern Illinois got a nice Husky Stadium's a nice stadium. I've been there before. I was there when uh, Tuscola and Gibson City both made it to state in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched Gibson City kicker Ben Freehill boot an extra point off the building <laughs> because he kicked it so far. Uh, I don't know how far away that is, but it felt like it was about 60 yards away, and he just fired it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great facility. I, I think Memorial Stadium obviously is the, the number one facility uh, around this state especially, but um, still, uh, DeKalb, great place to play, and I'm, I'm curious to see how many of our local teams are going to make it there this year. All right, uh, Friday night, uh, Colin, as he said, will cover Unity. We'll have uh, photo editor Robin Scholes over at Grand Tool, um, Bill Walsh Field, as the uh, PBL Panthers visit uh, Tom Hess's crew. Um, tell you what, let's talk, let's go St. Thomas more. We're going to take our first break now and, uh, hopefully the Sabres will be uh, ready to chat when we come back. We'll see you in a few. Welcome back to the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show. I am Colin Likas and it is 611 in downtown Champaign, or I guess in mid-Champaign. We used to be in downtown Champaign, but we're not really there anymore, but We are back, and we are ready for our first interview segment of this show with two of our athletes, St. Thomas More football players to be specific. Glad to be joined now by Adonai Bumba and Patrick Kornstrom, as well as Peace Bumba, who's off in the background, Adonai's brother and another football player on the team. Adonai and Patrick, thank you guys for joining me this evening on the show, coming off a huge win, um, literally in terms of points, over Galva last week, 70 to nothing. You guys have outscored your last two opponents, I believe, 152 to zero, which sounds like a made-up statistic, but it's actually real. Uh, Ad and I, how are the how is the team performing this well right now? I mean, this is a pretty incredible statistic. I feel like it's just been our practices for sure. Like you see it every week. Monday is like our first quarter, Tuesday second quarter, so. When we execute well in practice, it translates in the game. Sure. Patrick, I know it's common to see a lot of points in eight-man football, but even so, are you guys expecting going into those two games to, to win by that lopsided of a margin? Um, obviously, like, our first two games didn't go the way we wanted. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like there was a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, and we were kind of expecting to win big, but obviously not nearly as big. Yeah, Ad and I, and uh, referring to that, not to reopen an old wound, but for maybe folks who listening who don't know, you guys won your first game, but then unfortunately had to forfeit it because of an ineligible player. Uh, talking with Coach Watson, it sounds like you guys just handled it in stride, took it in stride, and moved on. Take me through what the discussions were like for for you and your teammates uh, after after that happened. Yeah, so Coach basically told us what happened and everything, and we were obviously surprised by it. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect that to happen, but. You know, Coach did what he felt like was the best decision for our team. Sure. So we can't sit there and be sad about it the whole time. We got to move on. There's more games to play, so we just moved forward and kept pushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Patrick, I mean, you guys didn't have any time to take a break because you had to play Orangeville in the yeah. second week. And it uh, turns out Orangeville is is pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. What was that game like for you guys, even though you ended up losing by, I think, eight points it was? What, what was that experience like playing against them? I mean, like, that was probably our first look at like a a good eight man team. Sure. Obviously, they're ranked number one now, like mm-hmm. unanimously. Um, so it was good. Like we we were missing Coach Watson, so I mean it was kind of against us a little bit, but 
I mean, I feel like it was a good experience and like something that we can learn on like for the rest of the season. Yeah, and and Patrick, I'll ask you again because you kind of bring up a good point. Seeing a, a different team, you guys being an eight man, you see some teams from just places that we don't see around here typically. What has that experience been like for you guys to get to travel to these different places and bring in these different teams that you know people around Champaign County just aren't familiar with? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool. Um, I mean, like, this week we're going to Edwardsville, which is, like, pretty much right outside of St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you got teams coming in from, like, almost to Wisconsin, like mm-hmm. Orangeville, and then we're going down south to St. Louis. So, I mean, it's, like, it's a really cool experience to be able to pretty much play teams from all sides of the state. Talking with Adonai Bumba and Patrick Kornstrom from the St. Thomas More football team. And Adonai, you mentioned, I think Patrick actually mentioned the uh, the rankings, but obviously you guys are aware of them, Adonai. You guys are third in the latest poll that came out. Um, one, how much attention do you guys really pay to that? And two, what, what does it mean to you to know that you're being so highly considered by, by media members and people around the eight-man scene? I mean, we see the rankings, you know, and obviously we're happy that we're ranked high mm-hmm. right now. But at the end of the day, rankings don't matter. It just matters what you do inside the line. So mm-hmm. we just got to execute and still make sure that we play as hard as we can. Consider, yeah, considering that at the start of your career, you guys were still an 11-man team, not really knowing what the future is going to hold for you guys. How exciting is it to wake up every day knowing you're, you're a ranked eight-man team now and you're fighting for a state championship? I mean, yeah, it is exciting. But like I said, every day we got to earn it. Mm-hmm. We got to earn our ranking, earn everything, earn our jersey every day. So. Yeah, it's exciting. Everything's good, but we got to work every day. Every day we got to act like we're all and all again. Sure. Now, sure. talking about specifics with this team, Patrick, on the offensive side, obviously things are working right now. And I know Adam and I said the practices have just been going really well. From a more in-depth perspective, I guess, without giving away, obviously, game plans or anything, how has this offense been able to click so well? Um, I mean, like, we're just a group of, like, close guys. Obviously, there's, what, 20 mm-hmm. of us on the team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have to get pretty familiar with each other. And, I mean, I'd say we generally like each other outside of football, too, which is probably where the chemistry comes in. And um, we're always just working in practice, like great coaching staff. And I think that that's kind of the reason that everything's been clicking. You mentioned, Patrick, about 20 of you on the team. Does that give you even more of a sense of motivation or purpose, just knowing that you don't have so many guys you don't have like legions of guys behind you to back up if you mess up you 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 have to perform well day in and day out yeah exactly it's it's kind of like an accountability thing Mm -hmm. uh not for yourself but also for like your teammates like you guys are really having to bank on each other especially when i would say half our guys are underclassmen too Mm -hmm. like smaller guys uh it's kind of up to the older guys to you know keep each other accountable make sure that like we are doing our own thing and being able to just, you know, get it done. And add an eye on the defensive side. I know you've been a big part of the offense as well, but I've seen you have at least a couple interceptions, fumble recoveries, things of that nature. Two shutouts in a row at this point. What is, what is allowing this defense to perform at such a high level? Uh, I feel like on defense, you know, on, on the offensive side of the ball, it's a lot more thinking. Mm-hmm. You think about what you have to do, what you have to do and everything. But on defense, it's more of reaction. So I feel like our team does a really good job of just reacting to plays and going through what we work on in practice, getting to our spots and just completing tackles and everything. So we're just clicking. And I think the one thing maybe people don't understand about eight man is not only that there's fewer people on the field, but that the field is not as wide as a traditional mm-hmm. field. Ad and I, for defense, does that really help you guys out, just being able to maybe track people a little better? I think it does in a way. Because sometimes when I'm on the other side, I feel I can still get to the other side pretty, like, 
easily. So I feel like, yeah, the field field being narrower does kind of help. Does it take time to get used to that as well? Just because, you, you know, you guys have played 11-man before. Mm -hmm. Does it take time to get used to just the, the narrower field, the different dimensions there? At first, I would say, yeah, at first it did. It takes it took some getting used to. Mm -hmm. But as you go through, it's really just football at the end of the day. So you get, you adapt pretty quickly. Sure. Now, Patrick, lo looking forward here, like you said, going to be going down to Edwardsville soon. Uh, you're looking forward to that matchup, certainly. But is there, there are any regular season games you're especially looking forward to or maybe even, you know, hoping you qualify for the playoffs, any playoff games and matchups you'd like to like to have on the docket? Um, I mean, I, there's a couple in our regular season. I would say Pawnee and Martinsville are, you know, teams that are ranked and, like, receiving votes. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to playoffs, obviously we want to see Orangeville again. Like, that's probably the biggest one. Like, really good team that I feel like if we saw them again, it would, you know, it'd be another really good game. And then also um, Milford. There's always just kind of <laughs> been, like, a yeah. thing with us with Milford, like um, – I mean, obviously, we technically didn't win. Right. I would love to have that win, that marked as a win against Milford. Yeah, so. right. That, that, yeah, that's for for those. I don't think I explained that for those who don't know. That was the the forfeited game we're talking about. It was against Milford, but but the Sabers did win that game. I think it was thirty four nothing. I think was right. the final score. So technically, you guys have three shutouts on the season defensively. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Adam, I wanted to ask you about this. this. is slightly off topic from STM football, but I saw recently, I think, on Twitter that you had an unofficial visit to, to Illinois. You took a stop over there for one of their camps, I would imagine. Um, what was that What was that experience like for you? It was actually for a game. Okay. I went to watch the uh, UTSA game. Okay. It was a good experience. Um, the staff there was really nice, really respectful. Um, they made everything really easy, talking to them and everything. Um, yeah, I really had a good time. What's it like just being on that, that field and that setup, knowing that you're a guest of the team and that they're, they're having you there to, you know, show off for you, basically? <laughs> it was crazy. It was a good experience, you know, like being on the sideline, like watching the guys out there. You can really look on the field and, like, imagine you being out there with one of those jerseys on, and it's like, it's, it's just, you can't, you can't imagine it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, for both of you guys, either one can answer first. Uh, obviously, eight-man football is gaining popularity in this state. Mm -hmm. um, there are more teams going to it. We're seeing, unfortunately, teams that are canceling their 11-man seasons because they just don't have enough kids or what have you. I mean, you guys want to play more competition. You want to see more more teams, more opponents. Why would you encourage uh, other people to, to give eight-man football a shot? Got it. <laughs> um, I would say that uh, I feel like a big thing, at least for personal, like, for a personal thing, and also just from hearing it from other people, is, like, uh, people think that if you play eight-man football, like, you can't be recruited to mm -hmm. the next level, or, or it's going to take down your stock when, I mean, we obviously have, like, a Division one caliber yeah, football right. player on our team, and I think that, like, eight-man football is, like, just as good and entertaining mm -hmm. as 11-man. I mean, do you score a lot, like, there's a lot of, like, really good things that, I mean, I think that you can't do an 11-man. I anything to add to that? Uh, what I can add to that is um, if a program doesn't have enough players, you don't want to just be foregoing your season and not right. playing at all. Like some of these guys aren't getting their senior year. They have to play JV or whatever because they don't have enough players. And if eight man, if they can go into eight-man and at least have a season, they should be able to do that because they should be able to have a season. They deserve to have a season. You know? oh, 100%. Yeah. Great points. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely encourage any programs. And obviously there's a lot more that goes into it than just saying we're doing this. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, like these guys said, uh, playing varsity, getting out there, it's it's just it's it's still football, just, just fewer guys on the field. So mm -hmm. St. Thomas Moore, Adonai Bumba, and Patrick Kornstrom, guys, thank you again for joining me this evening on the show. 
We're going to go ahead and take our next commercial break. It is about 622 when we come back. Hoping to hear from Danville coach Marcus Forrest, but at the very least, we will begin our top 10 countdown for this week, so stay tuned for that. And we're back. It is 624 p.m. here in Champaign. Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show. I am Colin Likas. Thanks again to the St. Thomas More football players, Adonai Bumba, Patrick Quarnstrom. Peace, Bumba, for coming on down. Adonai and Patrick for sharing some of their thoughts on eight-man football and how the season's gone for the Sabres. You can, of course, catch them over on North Mattis Avenue. Not this week, though. They're uh, playing Metro East Lutheran in the Edwardsville area. But October 2nd, a Saturday, against Pawnee. If you don't have anything going on, 1 p.m., St. Thomas More going to be playing, hosting Pawnee. That should be a pretty good matchup. Unfortunately, we don't have enough teams in our coverage area in eight-man football to make an eight-man top ten, but we do have enough teams to make an 11-man top ten. So let's go ahead and dive into that 11-man top ten here a little bit before we get our first guest on the show tonight, our first coach guest, I should say. Checking in at number ten, we have the Gibson City Melvin Sibley Falcons. The Falcons are back in the rankings. If you remember, they lost their first week matchup. They've won three straight since, including a 14-7 win over Leroy last week. Gibson City is going to be visiting Eureka on Friday. Pretty important matchup for the Falcons. Uh, if they get that win, I think they might creep back into the Class 1A top 10 in the Associated Press Bowl. Our number nine team this week is the Danville Vikings. Danville sits at 2-2 two and two after picking up a victory over Peoria Richwoods in a shootout last week, 52-35. to 35. Very high-scoring game. Danville's offense obviously capable of high scores. Uh, three of their games this week, 49, 36, and 52 points besides that 13-6 uh, to, to six result, I should say, against Centennial in Week 2. But Danville's high-powered offense is going to take on Peoria Manuel on the road in Week 5. And our number eight team, I just mentioned them actually, is the Centennial Chargers. The Chargers are two and two as well. Lost to Kankakee 40 to nothing last week, but Kankakee is the second ranked team in Class 6A, and Centennial had to play them on the road. So obviously a very challenging matchup for the Chargers. They're going to try to get back on track against another really tough team this week in Peoria, but at least that game is happening at Tommy Stewart Field. So hopefully the Chargers can get a little bit of traction going, get some offense going. They haven't scored any points since week two. Hopefully they can change that against Peoria. And our number seven team this week is the Prairie Central Hawks. Prairie Central has jumped into the rankings after a loss to Unity to start the season because they are now 3-1. and one. They've beaten Pontiac, St. Joe Ogden, and Rantoul in succession in order to get into the rankings. They have another chance at a victory at Chillicothe during Week 5 coming up on Friday. And our number 6 team is the Salt Fork Storm, one of the few unbeaten teams left in the area. They are 4-0, knocked off Iroquois West 28-14 last week in a battle of the unbeatens over in Catlin on a Saturday afternoon. It was a hot one. I almost forgot to wear my sunscreen. It was about 90 degrees and there were no clouds in the sky. So uh, really glad I remembered that at the end of the day. Uh, but getting back to the football, Salt Fork is going to be hosting Georgetown Ridge Farm in week five. And our number five team, whose coach we're going to be hearing from shortly, is the Paxton Buckley Loda Panthers. PBL is 3-1, and one, bounced back from its first loss of the season by trouncing Pontiac 48-8 to eight last week. PBL is going to be at Rantoul on Friday night in a game that Robin Scholes, our photo editor, as Jim Rosso said earlier, is going to be at taking pictures of. So you can see pictures from PBL against Rantoul in Saturday's News Gazette and on our website. 
And I'm glad to be joined now by the coach of the PBL Panthers, Josh Pritchard. Josh, thanks so much for joining us on the show tonight. Yes, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you guys are off to another good start. Um, one loss at this point, and the, the one loss was in pretty unusual circumstances, last-minute circumstances. How are you feeling about the way uh, the boys are starting off this latest season? You know, I'm really happy to be 3-1. and one. Obviously, it would be a little bit better to be 4-0, but our, our kids are playing really hard, and I think we're proving that. You know, we have the ability to play in a bigger conference, and, uh, I, you know, I'm super proud of our kids for sure. Yeah, the Illini Prairie Conference uh, obviously is fielding a lot of our top 10 teams. Uh, we haven't even heard about uh, two of them yet. Um, what has this experience been like so far for you guys in the Illini Prairie, just getting to take on a different host of characters? And like you said, it's a, a, a big, tough conference, but one that you guys have proven you're ready for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. You know, for us, it feels like a playoff game every game right now because you're playing somebody unique, and that's usually how the playoffs are. So, you know, we really don't know what to completely expect, and I think it's the same way for us. But it's definitely been an experience seeing new places. You know, I've never been to Chillicothe and stuff like that. So just traveling to different places that I've never been um, as a coach, and I know our players probably haven't been very often unless they're playing them in another sport. So definitely been interesting but fun nonetheless. Well, I don't want to reopen an old wound necessarily, but I'm curious about that Bloomington Central Catholic game from week three. Obviously, saw the video of how that game ended with a really long uh, wild pass play leading up to to a touchdown with uh, no time left. What do you think, even though that was ultimately a 13-12 loss for you guys, what do you think they gained from playing in a game like that and and, and coming out on the, the, the wrong side of a game like that? Yeah, I think we learned that, you know, you don't want to leave the game up in somebody else's hands, you know. Um, I told them, you know, I made a few bad play calls. You know, we, we get one first down, we run the clock out, they have no timeouts, and we don't have to worry about anything. You know, whether there's a call that didn't go our way or they got it right or whatever it is, we don't want to leave that in anybody else's hands to make those calls. So we just need to get our first downs when we have the chance to. Um, but, you know, you see defeat, and then hopefully that kind of, you know, ignites a fire under your kids, and they realize, you know, you're not the best team yet, so you have to continue to get better, and you can't just coast through victories like we had probably the first two games. Um, of the season so it, it was nice to kind of do that with Pontiac and, and show that you know our kids did learn something from that and we can go and we need to put points up on the board talking with Paxton Buckley the little football coach Josh Pritchard normally I start off uh, these segments talking about the offensive side of the ball with coaches when we break down and talk about individual players but I feel it's necessary to start on the defensive side with your guys because they've allowed exactly eight points in three games all three of the wins and then only 13 points in the one loss uh, this defense obviously has some power behind it. Wh- who have been some of the key guys to to this strong defensive start? Well, luckily we returned our whole entire front eight from the spring, so it was nice to kind of get going with that. But we, we have an abundance of defensive linemen from Aaron Kavayic to Wyatt Holland to Bo Snyder as our starters, but we stub um, four more guys in so they can get lots of reps in. Um, but we also return our all-stater at middle linebacker in Caden Snellen, who's only a junior. But then I have a couple other guys on the outside and the inside that really fly around at linebacker. And when you can return, you know, all five of your linebackers that, you know, led your team in tackles the year before that, you tend to think you're going to be pretty good at it again. And that's kind of what they're doing. You know, we're forcing teams to do things that we don't think they're comfortable doing. And we have a whole new secondary. So 
those kids are really getting it, and they're only getting better step by step. But led by Aiden Johnson at the safety position has done a phenomenal job. Um, and taking after Gavin Copley is probably not the easiest thing to do either. Right, exactly. Uh, I wanted to stick for a moment. You mentioned to me last season during the shortened season, Caden Snelling. I know you were very excited about him, and I know he plays on the offensive side as well, traditionally as a receiver. Uh, as just a sophomore last year, now a junior, why were you so excited about him? Uh, explain for the, the, the listeners and people who might see him in the future when you guys play Monticello or Unity or St. Joe, what they can expect to see from this kid. Um, I mean, when you see him, he looks like a lineman. Honestly, you know, he's 6'2", 6'3", 230 to 240 pounds, but runs like a receiver. And, you know, at the high school level, especially the small school level, you don't get that so much. So, you know, he flies sideline to sideline. Um, he played in 2019 when we went to the quarterfinals. He played defense for us a little bit um, as a freshman. So that's, that's really exciting. But, uh, you know, he's got great hands. He's got a great motor. He does everything we ask him to do. And he's definitely a thumper in the middle. So, you know, it's not too often that you want to run some ISO stuff right at him because he's going to weigh, outweigh your running back by at least 30 or 40 pounds every time, and he definitely makes you feel it. And then on the offensive side of the ball, obviously things are going well. Gone from 28 points in Week 1 to 38 points in Week 2 to 48 points in Week 4. Uh, I know Mason Bruns at quarterback and Tyler Smith at running back have played a role in that. Um, along with those guys, who else has made sure that this offense keeps ticking upward in production? You know, like you said, our, our running back really has done a great job. I think he's averaging like 185 or 190 yards a game, give or take, um, which, you know, some of that we, we want to try to eliminate at least a little bit, not necessarily yards, but some of the touches. So we try to spread the ball out. But, you know, when you put a big tight end like Caden Snelling out there too, um, it's really nice when he's got soft hands because, you know, you have to force the defense to stay inside. But, you know, I think Aiden Johnson had three touchdowns this past week. Um, Charlie Pound, who's our one of our senior wide receivers, has done a phenomenal job. And then we've got a converted kid who actually was a guard as a sophomore, and he just sprouted up and definitely put some uh, muscle on and can fly a little bit. And he play, really plays our fullback and our H-back position stuff. And Jacob Gronsky, who's just a super tough kid, um, knows he really doesn't touch the ball a whole lot, but uh, when he does, he definitely makes it uh, count. Um, and then he also is willing to block. And, you know, you have to have that on the outside because if not, you're not going to spring any long plays. But I will say our offensive line has just been absolutely tremendous. We returned um, four of the five from the spring, and they just they just took another step up, and we told them that in the spring, like, we need you guys to be even better um, in the fall, and they've definitely taken to that, and, you know, we feel like we've got a nasty offensive line, and, you know, when, when you say that, that's usually a compliment for them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, looking forward for you guys in week five, going to be at Rantoul, as I mentioned before, and I know the Eagles have been on hard times of late, but you're, I, I want to get your thoughts on kind of this, this PBL Rantoul. There's traditionally kind of a, a rivalry there, at least in the sports that they don't co-op in. They co-op in a sport like golf, for example, but uh, obviously football, this isn't a sport, but PBL and Rantoul would have gotten to play each other a ton in recent history because Illini Prairie closed conference. Um, what have you gotten to understand about kind of the PBL Rantoul rivalry and maybe the meaning of this game coming up, even though Rantoul has had its struggles recently? You know, a lot of those kids, they may work together. They talk, they've hung out before something in the past. Um, maybe they've moved from Paxton to Rantoul or vice versa. And it's just one of those things like we know that for them, you know, like you said, they've, they've been on hard times, but for them, this is a big game. It's their homecoming game. Um, it, it, it's one of those things that you know they're going to be up to try to beat us. You know, nobody wants to get beat by the, the team that's 10 miles away, especially a smaller school. So we've got our kids, you know, thinking that, you know, th they're going to come in ready to play. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody wants to lose a football game, but you definitely don't want to lose the close football game. And it may be one that turns into a rivalry. I don't know if it'll ever be a Gibson City 
uh, PBL rivalry, but you know it could be one of those that over the course of time it could very well turn to that. And then looking even more forward, I know you want to take this one game at a time, but it's really hard to ignore the back end of your guys' schedule where you have to go at Prairie Central, against Monticello, at Unity, against St. Joe Ogden for these final four weeks uh, as an introduction to the Illini Prairie Conference football scene. Uh, I know you got to get past Rantoul first, but maybe how excited or maybe apprehensive, I don't know what the word would be, are your guys for that stretch of football coming up here? I think they're excited to get there. You know, we knew that seeing our schedule when we first got it, that we had some wins we felt like at the beginning of the schedule. And we knew the back half was going to be a, a tough one, but hopefully we're hitting our stride, you know, and, and playing tough football. And, and we've got everything clicking. But, you know, once again, they've played all those kids in every other sport from basketball and baseball, um, even running against them in track. So I think our kids know a lot of their kids because they've hung out in the past or they may even play some travel teams together. So, you know, there's been a little, you know, smack talk on the side, but I told them, you know, you got to keep it nice and calm um, because in the end you line up at 7 o'clock on a Friday night and you really see who the better football team is on that day. And, you know, we're excited to see how good we really are because when you start playing teams that are the top five teams in the state, that's going to tell you how good you a football team you really are. Before I let you go, Josh, and people around Paxton will know what I'm talking about when I ask you this, but you've had the trips to Chillicothe and Bloomington so far. Has the bus been good for both those trips? Any bus issues at this point? Well, I would like to say there hasn't been any issues, but actually on the way to IVC, our bus, we drove there with no AC on. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, and, and it wasn't because the AC just wasn't on. It was broken. So Ugh. I don't know if you remember week one, it was about 100-plus degrees oh, yeah. of real feel. So, uh, you know, clogged up on a bus trying to figure out how we're going to get some air on there was interesting. But, no, the bus did not break down. In fact, as we drove by the house that we ended up stopping in front of in 2019, uh, <laughs> we all gave it a little wave and, you know, had a little bit of memory going past it on the way there and back, so it was kind of funny with that. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, back in 2019, I believe it might have been the first round, but I thought it was the second round of the playoffs, uh, PBL taking a bus ride, and uh, the bus not helpfully broke down uh, on their way to the playoff game, and yet PBL still made the rest of its trip and ended up winning that game, so fond memories, right, Josh? Yes, that was was the second round game on the way to Farmington. You know, we started a little late, but... uh, it wasn't 100 degrees outside. Like I said, <laughs> when you win, you really don't worry about the bus trip anymore. Oh, that's right. Josh Pritchard, Paxton Buckley, Loto football coach. Josh, thanks again, and uh, good luck to the boys this week and the rest of the way. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you having me on here. Of course. Always good to hear from Coach Pritchard. He's relatively new to the local scene, but he was our uh, coach of the year, all area coach of the year in 2019, in his first season in charge of the, the Panthers. They made it to the quarterfinals for the first time since the uh, late 1990s. Uh, that was a pretty big deal over in Paxton. They look pretty good again, even playing in the uh, really tough Illini Prairie Conference for the first time. Well, we're going to take our final break of the show, and when we come back, we are going to be joined by St. Joseph Ogden coach Sean Skinner. Also going to break down the rest of our top ten, talk about maybe some predictions for this coming week. Maybe we can get Jim Rosso to weigh in on a few predictions. We'll see if we can uh, see if we can get him to commit to any predictions. Stay tuned for that. Thanks, as always, to Gene Honda for recording that. It makes me feel like a superstar considering all the work he's done. I think about the Chicago Blackhawks and obviously the Fighting Illini. Pretty cool stuff. We're back on the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show. Colin Likas, 641 here in Champaign. Going to ride it out until our 7 o'clock close. Go into the Brett Bielema Show. See what he has to say ahead of the game against Purdue. Hopefully Illinois can get back in the win column against the Boilermakers in a bit of a rivalry matchup. At least I consider it that. Maybe Illini fans don't think so. You can you can let me know on Twitter. 
Anyway, uh, we were going to have Danville coach Marcus Forrest on a little earlier in the show, and we're glad to be joined by him now to discuss the Vikings, who, as I said earlier in the show, are the number nine team in our top ten after picking up a victory last week over Peoria Richwoods. Marcus, thank you so much for being part of our show tonight. Hey, thank you for having me. How oh, you doing? Of course. Doing well, Coach. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. Glad to hear mm-hmm. it. And uh, your guys doing well also? 52 52- 52-35 as the win last week. Uh, your guys have proven they can put up points. Uh, 49 against Central, uh, 36 against Peoria and what was ultimately a defeat, and then another 52 against Peoria Richwoods. I mean, we'll talk about some specific guys in a little bit, but this offense, did you think this offense had the capability of, of having this much firepower throughout the season? You know what, we weren't sure. Because, you know, when you have a young team, um, you're still learning the kids, and you would hope so. Just you know, seeing, seeing them play at a at a, at a lower level, um, but you're still not sure until they really get going how they're going to actually respond to the things that you, you want them to do. But we've we've been able to find quite a few kids that are you know pretty good football players. We, you know, quite a few that can run the ball. We played you know a few quarterbacks, and um, we're able to move the ball um, in a way you know efficiently that we hadn't been able to do you know, in a couple of years as far as being able to spread the ball around and have kids do it. So it's been a great surprise to find so many kids and we've been able to kind of hand the ball off to put the ball in their hands to make plays. And they've been able to, you know, really effectively get the ball down the field and score. You know, we've had one game where we kind of stumbled, but we expected that, we, you know, with a young group of kids and even, uh, you know, with a quarterback who's a senior, but he hadn't played in a couple of years. Uh, he still has that youth within him so uh, having so many young kids and young whether experience or just in age we knew it would be some ups and downs but we one of the things we're proud of is we just continue to compete and continue to get better because even with that loss to Peoria um, besides one quarter we really played well and played with them so we're just excited about where we're going. hundred percent and uh, take me through then some of those guys as well I know we talked uh, after the, the game against Centennial in week two but at this point, uh, on the offensive side specifically, who are you really relying on to make this thing tick? Um, you know, offensively so far, you know, we have, um, you know, as, as of this last week, we have a, you know, a young man, Mike McGuire, who's a 10th grader, who um, he's going to play, he played running back for us. He was able to play quarterback for us last week at Richwoods. He's a really good athlete. And, um, he's able to kind of make plays in ways that some of the others aren't. Um, but he's, you know, a real good kid that we know we can count on in a lot of different ways. Uh, Tommy Harris has really been our best running back so far. Um, he had a big run against, uh, you know, against Central. He ran hard against Peoria. Mark, um, that was your 15-minute time check, stations. Hold on one second, Marcus. I think we got a little bit of a technical difficulty going on here. We got a, got some nice little... Uh, Nice little music to listen to while we uh, while we go on. There we go. We're all good. All right, Marcus. Sorry about that. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and roll on. So yeah, so you know we got what you know Tommy. Tommy Harris has been a kid that has run extremely well for us, and he's been able to come up with some big runs, some big plays when we really didn't know, you know, that he was really able and capable of doing. Uh, so he's been doing a good job. Uh, another, you know, man, Jamarion Harris is kind of like one of the older ones that we've had that has really been able to kind of 
move the ball. And we, his freshman year, we actually had him out and playing and moving and doing different things. And I know another young man is Antoine Lee. So we have, you know, quite a few running backs. You know, like they say, we have a stable. We got a, a stable of kids that we've been able to give the ball to. Um, you know, whereas, you know, years, years past, we'd have one running back in, you know, 18, 19 carries, something like that. Right now, they're at the point that if you get 10 to 12, mm-hmm. you know, you had a good game. But in that 10 to 12, we have others that are getting six or seven and, you know, even two or three. And in those two or three, they're really taking advantage of the situations and kind of not trying to save anything for any other time. And then with, uh, like, a quarterback, J.J. Miles is – when he's getting more and more confident each week. That, you know, he said last week just he had, uh, had an ankle injury against Peoria. Hmm. But before that, you know, he was effectively getting us up and down the field, getting everybody where they needed to be. And I know he knows and is understanding more of our offense and everything that we want to do. So just having those kids there, you know, and um, last week we were able to open up a little bit more fashion because we're, we're predominantly run. And we know that, and so it'll be predominantly run and have four to five kids that we can put back there that we know can effectively run the ball. But we still want to be able to get the ball out and throw, you know, to still make some big plays. And we're kind of able to do that with Tyler Jones, who was a senior. Um, he made a couple of big catches last week. We have Matthew Thomas, who's also plays defense, and he's in the slot. And we know he's consistent. And then we have a young 10th grader on the other side with uh, Caden Young and we know when he's able, he adjusts to the ball extremely well, and he has good ball skills. And, of course, he's still learning also with it being his first year of being able to play. Um, so all of them are still, like I said, growing and getting better. So when you know you have that opportunity of everybody growing getting better, we got a line that everybody on the line is going to be back next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's interesting because you, you get frustrated at times going through things with young kids, but then – like I said, it helps to know that every week we've gotten better. Even in a loss, we got better. Um, and so last week, you know, it was a tough game at the beginning, but we were able to kind of uh, go back to doing what we did, and it kind of showed in the second half. And we look forward to this week seeing how much more we've grown. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope you don't mind me asking about this as well, um, but uh, maybe for folks who, who don't know, uh, you were you were unable to to be part of the the spring season last spring uh, as you uh, had a successful heart transplant. And now you're obviously back on the sideline working with the guys. For for you now that you're fully back immersed in this, you're four games in. What has it been like for you just to work with the guys again to to see them performing well and to to be part of this success on the sideline again? It's been it's been great, really. It's been great for them and definitely great for me. Um, I can see the the energy that they have, uh, like the smiles on their faces. Even that, you know, you have kids that they learn your personality and how you are. And uh, one of the best things for me is when I know I got kids that are trying to impersonate me, whether good or bad. <laughs> and I, had a, I have a group that does that now, you know. They, <laughs> or, or, you know, I know they have looks that they they have gathered already. You know, if I look at them one way, they I, they know I'm looking at them like, okay, what what did I do? And there are other ways they know I look and they smile and know when I did something great. So, you know, being able to, to establish those type of relationships with the kids. And then for me, um, like you said, seven months ago, I was having a heart transplant. And now I'm able to be out on the field, moving around, running around. I try to uh, not get as excited. Sure. I try to calm myself at times. 
Yeah, that first game was a struggle. And after that, I've been like, okay, I got to kind of calm down. They, between the kids and, the, and just the game, the way it goes, I've tested my heart out <laughs> to make sure that it's definitely working correctly. But, um, man, it's been outstanding just having that opportunity to be on the field with them. And, uh, you know, I missed it in the spring. And, of course, you know, I learned from them that they missed it also. So for us to be able to come together doing it, even getting with my assistants who I was, man, ex- you know, I was extremely thankful to them to be able to do the things that they did in the, in the spring, um, even with not only going through a short spring, but dealing with the COVID things also. To, you know, and it was it was comforting for them to be able to get back to a situation of more normalcy once I came back. So being able to all get together and work together and um, see how much of an impact we have on the kids. And you, when you have a group of kids that, you know, you really enjoy coaching all of them and you see the promise and the camaraderie that they have and that they're continuing to build and you know that, you know, if you just do these things that we're instilling of you, you're going to have success not only on the field, but off the field. We can see all that stuff coming together. So, man, it's been a great thing. Marcus Forrest, Danville football coach. And, Marcus, we are glad to have you back on the sideline for sure. And uh, thanks again for being part of the show tonight. Really appreciate it. Man, I appreciate the invitation. Like I said, anytime. So I missed you earlier, but I'm definitely glad I caught you today. All good, Marcus. Thanks again. All right. Have a good one. You too. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into the final interview segment of our show with St. Joseph Ogden football coach Sean Skinner. Sean, thank you so much for being part of our show tonight as well. Thanks for having me. Uh, of course, Sean, and you, you guys are coming off an important first win of the season over Chillicothe IVC, and it wasn't uh, some squeaker. It was a 48-7 to uh, route. Uh, how important was it for the guys not only to get in the win column, but also to win in that emphatic fashion in Week 4? Yeah, I, I think, obviously, um, we talked all week. We didn't care how it happened. We just had to find a way to win. <laughs> but to go out and, and have it be uh, a, a dominant performance was, was really good in all three aspects of the game for us. And it feels like this has been coming. This is because you guys, tough start to the season, not only, obviously, with the schedule, but also well-publicized, the passing of Dick Duvall, the passing of team parent Jim Cotter, but facing Monticello and Unity to start, obviously huge hurdles there, two state-ranked teams. But then against Prairie Central in Week 3, a good program as well, but you guys held, kept them within, within six points. It felt like a win was coming. Did you feel that way after that Prairie Central game? We, we felt good every step of the way. Um, we, we dealt with some adversity uh, on several fronts from the beginning of the year, but something uh, that stood out and it was easy to stand out. We were not playing bad football Mm -hmm. Uh, at the beginning of the year. There was a level of attrition that was attributed to not having all of our players. The first uh, even three weeks of the season, we really were working with a lack of depth for a variety of reasons. Um, But we were playing really well in the first half of games. And then against Prairie central, um, we couldn't get a defensive stop, but, but um, and it's kind of documented, we forced nine fourth downs in that game. We mm-hmm. just seriously couldn't get a stop. They, they converted eight of nine fourth downs. But you could see um, on Friday nights, you could see the team improving. And so we knew we were closer than maybe what the 0-3 record showed. At the end of the day, that's the results, though, and, and so we did have to figure out a way how to get a win. Right. Talking with Coach Sean Skinner of the St. Joseph Ogden football team, looking at this offense that they put up 48 points, 
Uh, so many guys contributed to that. One thing that strikes me, Keaton Nolan was a big running back presence on this team last year, and he was he was a big receiving presence during this win over Chillicothe. He caught three passes for 72 yards, but it was Kobe Miller who had 66 rushing yards, part of the 203 total. How have you liked the way this uh, this this whole lineup has worked out for you on the offensive side of the ball, these, these mixing and matching parts? The most important thing is that we are finding ways to get these guys the football, and if this week it means Kobe is, is better suited to be the running back and Keaton is the tailback, then we can do it. Um, you know, Keaton last week, I think Keaton had uh, eight touches as a running back mm-hmm. and three or four catches, as you alluded to there. Um, between the two of those players, if we can get them in that 18 to 24 touch uh, territory, what does it matter whether it's via handoff or mm-hmm. pass? Um, and, and I think our coaching staff is doing a really, really good job of finding uh, the matchups that best suit the two of them to get the ball to be most effective for us. So, uh, you, you know, I, I tell the guys, don't get married to anything specifically. <laughs> this week you might be back at that tailback spot. And I think it's kind of keeping the team engaged, um, so to speak. Uh, you know, where are we going to be this week? Who's it going to be? Um, but but starting with that Prairie Central game, it was really evident that we were doing a better job putting our athletes in a position to get the football, and then the end result was touchdown. And then on the defensive side, like you said, struggled to get those those fourth down stops uh, a little earlier in the season, but obviously getting plenty of stops against Chillicothe. Who are some of the defensive guys you can highlight who were key to that performance? And, you know, anytime the defense does that and, and uh, you, you know, Isaiah Moore had an interception for uh, a touchdown return. Uh, Tyler Birch had a red zone interception the one time that in, in the first half that Chillicothe IVC drove down on us a little bit, but he stepped up and made a play in the end zone. And then in, in the second quarter, uh, Kobe Miller uh, blitzes and, and has a strip sack and, and then recovers the fumble and returns at 30 yards for a touchdown. So, um, but it, it goes deeper than that. Early mm-hmm. in the season, uh, we we had eight guys starting both ways. Mm-hmm. Last week, we only had three guys starting both ways. And so all of a sudden, you're starting to see people on the defensive side of the ball. They're, they're able to make plays. Um, they're rested. Uh, the defensive line is keeping our linebackers clean. Um, so so it, it's it's a domino effect all the way around. Um, so now all of a sudden you've got guys that are able to make plays because they're not having to do all the work on offense also. Just thank Joseph Ogden football coach Sean Skinner. Sean, thank you again for taking some time to share some thoughts about your kids, and uh, good luck against Olympia in Week 5. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. And we are going to go ahead and run down our final top four teams, our final parts of the top ten uh, you could have read about it in last Sunday's News Gazette, but if you didn't, we've got it for you right here. So four teams left to go. Let's crack into them. Our number four team is the Bismarck-Henning-Rossville-Alvin Blue Devils. Blue Devils are 4-0. They pounded moments 49 to nothing last week after being off with a forfeit win the week prior to that. Bismarck looking for another big win at Oakwood in a Saturday afternoon game in Week 5. Our number three team is the Muhammad Seymour Bulldogs. Bulldogs just keep rolling along, and they have moved up to number five in the class, or number 10, I should say, in the class 5A top 10 by the Associated Press. 
uh, after a 53-22 win over Lincoln to move to 4-0 last week. Muhammad's going to be at Charleston, the alma mater of their head coach, in Week 5. And our number two team this week is the Monticello Sages, remaining that way after a close win over Bloomington Central Catholic, 32-27 in Week 4. Monticello going to try to keep its win streak going and qualify for the playoffs at Pontiac in Week 5. And our number one team remaining as such is the Unity Rockets. Unity is also 4-0 after beating Olympia during Week 4, 42-14. Unity now is going to take on the team Monticello just beat, going to Bloomington Central Catholic for a Week 5 matchup. All right, follow along. Colin Likas on Twitter. He'll update those rankings when he makes changes. And he's up for bribing, right? You will accept <laughs> um, praise and uh, praise, yes, <laughs> things no, no. like that to gotta, influence those careful. rankings. <laughs> we got to be careful. Uh, we got uh, Coach Bielema next at Papa Dell's in Champaign. This, of course, is part of a four-hour power window of all things sports. Colin, as always, I appreciate your insight. Appreciate hearing from the coaches and the players too. No, absolutely. It was great to have two St. Thomas More football players on. Look at look, okay. This is interesting. We have just enough time for this. This email just came across. The IHSA has announced seventy competing schools for its pork and pig skins championships, mm. aka your best pork chop sandwich. Essentially, well. I got to go through this and figure out uh, which all schools from our area have have qualified. I see Tuscola. That's not a surprise. Saint Joseph Ogden's on here. That's not a surprise. Let's uh, hope uh, Unity is because they do have the best pork chops. You know, I don't around. see I don't see Unity see, on this the, list. The rankings are rigged already. It says Bement, so Disc- Sarah Gorda Bement. Discount that. Sarah Gorda Bement is part of it. Leroy is on here. Iroquois West. Look at all these. Look at all these schools. Uh, I'm gonna have to find a place for this in the News Gazette. We'll see what we can do. I'm already questioning those rankings. Your rankings are even better, Colin. Well, How thank about you. that. That's Appreciate a compliment. That. All right, we'll uh, talk to Colin next Wednesday. And uh, off to the Coach Bielema show in Papa Dells, where maybe you'll see Colin skirting over there. Sounds like a possibility. Okay, see you next week.